And in fact, that will be one of the questions on the, the chapter that you choose is how does that system interact and, and with the immune system? Um, the immune system is why you're all here alive today, because there are endless numbers of organisms out there that would like to just use you as a walking buffet line okay? and, and use you as their energy source. And they, they're not evil. They have no intent. It's not like they're out to get you. But in the process of doing that, they can cause damage or interruptions to your normal homeostatic mechanisms, which can re which result in disease and, in some, and often in death. So uh, your immune system is there to stop that from happening. Okay? And the fact that you're all here means that you have a, a, a good immune system because if you didn't, you'd been in debt a long time ago. Uh, you know, that's, you know, you have to have that. Uh, you, you're under, kind of under attack a daily, on a daily basis. Uh, and the immune system seems to function. So what we're going to do is look at how the immune system does that. Uh, so uh, here are just some, some, some overviews. Okay, so it is an internal defense system. And you'll find as we go through this, that a lot of the terms make it sound like it's, there's a war going on. Well, you know, that kind, those kind of terminology. But it's your internal system, okay? Now, part of it depends on recognition that what's there is not part of you. Because you don't want to attack your own cells. That's not a good thing. Although sometimes the immune system messes up and does do that. But for the most part, you want to make sure that it can recognize those that are invaders from those that are supposed to be there. Uh, and whenever we talk about recognition in living systems, right away think proteins. Because of the four basic molecules, proteins, carbohydrates, lipids, nucleic acids, the only one that can take, that can be in endless numbers of shapes, an in, almost infinite number of different shapes, are proteins. So if you want to recognize something, you're going to have to build a protein that has a shape that exactly is complementary to that object or that the molecule that you're trying to identify or the cell type. That's the only way you can do that. And so we're going to be looking at, at uh, proteins uh, that recognize uh, whether parts of you are self or non-self. Okay, that's an important portion. Now, um, you hear the term antibodies and antigens, and we'll get more into antibodies. And an antigen is any substance that, uh, any molecule, because usually your immune system attacks molecules, not entire cells, uh, that is recognized as not being part of you. That your system says, well, wait a minute, it's not supposed to be here. And then it will attack that. Okay. Now, you have markers on your cells, we'll talk about that a little bit more, that identify your cells as belonging to you. There's a couple of different kinds of markers uh, so that your cells can tell, so your immune system can tell that it's a normal body cell. Um, and all organisms have, some, have different types of proteins on their surface. All bacteria do, the viruses do. This is how your immune system can recognize that they're there. Has to, you know, you can't attack something if you don't know that it's there. Okay, uh, and so 
th these are some kind of very basic principles that the immune system follows. Okay? You have to recognize so that you can then defend. Now, uh, you're exposed to, well, bacteria, viruses, fungi, every day, all day long. Okay, and microbiology, uh, well, in fact, I think you did this uh, in lab here. Uh, you took some auger plates and you exposed them. And is there anybody who didn't get stuff growing on their plates after that? Did you do that in a lab? Okay, you're supposed to, I know. Uh, okay, uh, that's because they're everywhere. Okay, have you ever seen a sunbeam, uh, you know, in the air and you see all of that junk that's in the air? Well, you're breathing that in all the time. Some of that are mold spores, some of that are bacteria. That stuff is around all of the time. Now, parasitic worms uh, here in, in the United States are not very common. They're certainly here, but sanitation here is generally not bad, and so you rarely are exposed to parasitic worms. If you go to other parts of the world, most people have parasitic worms. Okay? That's routine. Okay? So, so where are they? You can see, they're everywhere. Okay, air, food. You think your food has no bacteria on it? Think again. Everything you put in your mouth is covered in bacteria. Everything you touch is covered in bacteria. Okay, touch the table, it's covered in bacteria. Pick up a pen or a pencil or a piece of paper, touch your computer, pick up your, uh, your bag, uh, covered in bacteria. Okay, everything is covered. Uh, and so, uh, so why aren't we sick all the time then? You know, you kind of wonder, okay, well, we have, how long have humans been on the planet? Well, that's, that's a bit of an estimate, but we know it's in the millions of years that there have been human-like organisms, okay? Um, so that means that we have co-evolved with the pathogens and we've developed an immune system over time. That's part of our evolutionary heritage is the development of the immune system. Because what happens if you have an immune system that doesn't work well enough? Um, you get sick, you probably die, you don't have offspring, or you don't have very many. Um, and so that particular combination, just if it didn't work very well, you're not going to survive. Uh, those who have a better combination would survive and pass that on to their offspring. And, then, and so these, this immune system gradually evolves. Now, we do know that uh, microbes evolve too. They're changing all the time. And our immune system has to try to keep up with that. Okay, uh, so uh, it, it's 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 a constant battle. Okay, now we're going to mention here very briefly the lymphatic system because it's going to go along with uh, immunity, uh, and so we, we just need to just quickly mention it because we'll it, we'll touch on it as we go through the immune system. Uh, you all know about your circulatory system, all right? You got heart, you have arteries, veins, you know, arteries take blood out to the body, veins bring it back to the heart. You know, we, know, we all know about that, okay? Um, but along with that, you have a whole second circulatory system. But it's a one-way system. And the reason that you need to have it is that blood, you know, well, you've all had your blood pressure taken, I assume, at some point. Okay, so blood is, is the blood pressure is the pressure your blood is exerting against the walls of the blood vessels as it moves through. Okay, when it gets to the really fine capillaries, they leak. Pressure forces fluid out of the blood and into the tissue spaces. 
And then as you get ready to go back into a vein by osmosis, a lot of that fluid is pulled back into the, into the capillary, but not all of it. So somewhere, that, that fluid has to go somewhere. Because if it can't go anywhere, you get what we call edema or swelling. Okay? So we have a whole system that has two primary functions. The first thing is to capture that fluid all over your body, and this is just kind of a diagrammatic way of looking at it here. Um, there's certainly a lot more of these little vessels than it shows on the diagram. But what they do is they, they pull that fluid in, and then by a system of valves, as you move, you press on these vessels, and they have valves in them so the fluid can only go one direction. Okay, And they eventually go back up, right up into here, and they dump that fluid back into your circulatory system okay? so that you don't lose it, you don't swell up. Uh, people who have certain parasitic infections or parasitic worms uh, that live, that prefer the uh, lymphatic ducts. I've seen pictures of people who didn't have access to medical care. Their foot is the size of a basketball. So it's just fluid swelling. And of course, at that point, they can't walk on it anymore. Uh, it's very debilitating. Okay? It's a very important system. Okay? Now, along the way, we have a series of uh, little swellings, which are, you can't see this very well, uh, but you can see right down in the, in the groin area, up here in the shoulders, around the, uh, the digestive tract, up here in the neck. So a lot of little swellings here, and these are called lymph nodes. And these are little mazes that the fluid goes through, and they're packed full of immune system cells. And the immune system cells are screening that fluid for antigens, for presence of antigens, bacteria, viruses, bits of bacteria, whatever would be there. And then they will, they can respond to that. If they respond, they start re reproducing, they make more cells, the lymph node will swell slightly. Sometimes it can actually be painful. But when the, if you go to the doctor and you just haven't been feeling well, one of the things they're going to do is they're going to check up through here. They know they do this part and they check over here underneath the arm. And what they're feeling for are lymph nodes that might be swollen. Because that tells them something about what's going on. Now, there are some other lymphatic organs. Uh, we'll mention these a bit, uh, later. Uh, there's the spleen and the thymus gland around the heart. Uh, when you, uh, you're, you're dissecting, you've already started your dissections in lab, you should have seen the thymus gland up, you know, and it's relative to the size of the fetal pig, it's quite large. Uh, by the time you're about a year old, it doesn't grow anymore, and by the time you're adult, it's almost gone. And we'll talk about what it does as we go through this, what its function is. Alright. We also have a number of blood cells that are involved in this whole immune process. We all know about red blood cells or erythrocytes, and they do one thing and one thing only, and that's transport oxygen. They are useless for anything else, but that's good enough because you need to do that all the time anyway. So they're busy transporting oxygen. You have a number of different types of what we refer to as white blood cells as opposed to red blood cells. 
Red blood cells appear reddish in color because they have iron atoms, and when they, when they have oxygen bound to them, they're, they're, the hemoglobin is a bright red color. And hence, the cells are red, and hence, your blood is red. And, you know, that's where all that comes from. Okay, these cells are more, uh, do not carry oxygen. They're all produced in your bone marrow. All blood cells of any kind are produced in the bone marrow. Uh, and this is one of the this is one of the primary functions of the bone marrow. It's not in every bone. It's in the long bones, in the ends of the long bones, in the sternum, uh, in the uh, the hip bones, the pelvic bones. Uh, you, that's where most of your bone marrow exists. Okay. Um, it produces all the different types of cells that are in, in associated with the blood. And all of the white blood cells are part of your immunity. Okay. Um, so a lot of them circulate in the blood and the lymph. Others go to the lymph nodes, the spleen, the liver, kidneys, and they hang out there and look for stuff that's not supposed to be there. Okay. Um, a lot of them are phagocytic, which means when they do find a, a bacterium, they engulf it and kill it. Okay. Now, sometimes some of the white blood cells are killed in that process. Uh, others can engulf many, many bacteria, and it doesn't seem to bother them, but there's a, the neutrophils, which are most common. Uh, if you get a scratch and you get some, uh, it gets infected, you'll get pus in there. And this is a, pus is an accumulation of dead cells. It tells you your immune system is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Now, it may not be winning yet, but it's at least doing what it's supposed to be doing. Now, there are two major portions to your immune system. One is called uh, adaptive response, and the other is innate response. We will look at each of those individually. Innate means you're born with it. And you get the same response no matter what the threat is. Okay? But adaptive is not like that. Adaptive is exactly what it sounds like. The response will change depending on what the pathogen is. Okay, and we'll get into how that happens. Now, these cells also all communicate with each other. They communicate chemically. And the generic term for those uh, chemicals that the immune system uses are called cytokines. Cytokines are, are signaling molecules that go from one cell to another. Okay? Because they can't all, it's a system, it's an immune system. Not, the cells do not work in a vacuum. They work as part of a system. So they, they have to communicate. Okay, so here's just an example of a white blood cell. Uh, it's not particularly doing anything like this. A white blood cell. Here's a macrophage. This is the cell back here. Macrophages are kind of like amoebas. They move by amoebic motion. Remember we talked about amoebas, the, uh, the pseudopods and all that, the amoebas moving? They move the same way inside of you. Right now they are slithering everywhere inside your body. And what they're looking for is cell debris, junk. Somebody's got to clean up when a cell dies. Cells do die occasionally. Somebody has to clean that up. Uh, they're looking for bacteria. They're looking for viruses. Okay. Now, this particular one here has found a bacterium. Down here at the bottom, actually two bacteria. 
and it is sending out a pseudopod. No, these are not eyes. Kind of looks like a snouter, but it's not really. It's the pseudopod. It will surround these cells and pull them back inside, and then it will kill them. Okay. So macrophages are constantly patrolling everywhere inside of you and killing things they find that are not supposed to be there. Okay. That's a, a portion of a, well, it's like a surveillance system. Okay. Like if you go to to London, for instance, almost anywhere you walk in the city of London, you will be on camera. Okay, they have surveillance cameras. That is, London is one of the most highly dense areas for surveillance cameras. Uh, actually, many parts of the United States are that way now, too. You just don't notice them. They're there. You're on camera, no, certainly not in much of Williamsburg. Uh, you go up to D.C. Uh, You'll be on, if you're in the city part, you'll be on camera a lot. Nobody's really paying much attention until something happens, and then they will screen all that information. So uh, it's a surveillance system. It's part of the surveillance system. You're, all, you're looking to see. Now, the college has one. If you went into the room where the campus police are, uh, mostly down in Hampton, they have cameras all over the campus, and they've got a room with a bunch of monitors, and they're in there looking at what's going on in different parts of the campus. Okay. They have cameras here, too. They have cameras in the hallways. They have cameras on the outside of the building. It's pretty tough to get away from surveillance cameras. You go to the gas station, put gas in your car. You're on, you're on camera. Okay. Uh, so it better, better look good because somebody might be watching you. Okay, now, so these are uh, some of the white blood cells. Now, basophil is a type of white blood cell. It circulates in the blood. It releases inflammatory chemicals. We will talk about the inflammatory response uh, when we get to the innate immune system. But these cells release chemicals that generate that response. Now, when they move into the tissues, and they are in all of your connective tissues. They do the same thing, except we give them a different name. They're called mast cells when they're in your tissues. Your nasal uh, mucosa is full of mast cells. When you have an allergy, those mast cells release histamine, cause a swelling of the blood vessels. It causes them to leak. You get a runny nose, stuffy, stuffy runny nose. Your eyes water. And, you know, thank these guys. Okay? They're part of what's causing it but it's part of your normal defensive response. Okay, mentioned phagocytes. Uh, neutrophils are the most common. Here's another example. Here's a cell engulfing another cell. Macrophages, and then there's something called a dendritic cell, which we will get into. Uh, they, both macrophages and dendritic cells are capable of taking bits of what they've just killed and displaying them to other immune system cells and as a way of saying, is this something that, you know, I've killed it, now is this something we should be worried about? Or is it just no big deal and we'll just let it go? Okay. So we say that they are antigen-presenting cells. They will present them to the cells of the adaptive immune system when you get to them. So phagocytes, so they're going around eating bacteria and viruses and things like that. 
Eosinophils. And I'm not going to uh, ask you to label them or recognize them in a picture, but um, these are uh, specialized, uh, as it says, uh, parasite control. So whenever you have a parasitic infection, your eosinophil uh, uh, level will go up. This is one of the things in a blood test that would be indicative that you have a parasitic infection. If you have a high eosinophil count, that's the first one of the first things they're going to think about then. Okay? We know that that's what happens when you have an internal parasite. Um, and uh, basically, they go after things that are too large for the phagocytes to be able to engulf. So, multi, you know, some of the proteins, the larger proteins, uh, fungi, and worms, especially. There are lots of parasitic worms out there. We just don't happen to have to deal with them very often here. Uh, but beware if you go to other countries. Now, not Europe. You're pretty safe in Europe. But I had two friends, uh, it's been about eight years ago, they went to China for a vacation. They both came back with internal parasitic ones from the food that they got. Uh, they were all treatable, you know, and there are drugs to kill the worms, but, you know, still, nobody wants parasitic worms, generally. Although there is this apocryphal story about the, the tapeworm diet that I don't know if there's any. It's one of those urban myths, I think. Put a tapeworm in you, and it'll use up a bunch of the nutrients, and then you can lose weight more easily. And then you can just kill it whenever you want to get rid of it. I don't know. They, they're, you see stories about this periodically. And then when you have cells called natural killer cells, they're kind of like macrophages, except uh, they seem to have a particular affinity for killing abnormal cells of yours, uh, which would be often cancerous cells, um, and also cells that are infected with viruses. Now, there's another type of cell that also does that, but natural killer cells are not well understood. Uh, chances are very likely that you have had cells that went bad uh, that either self-destructed, which is what cells are supposed to do when things start to go wrong inside, they have a self-destruct sequence, but sometimes it doesn't activate. And then uh, if that, if as part of that they start reproducing rapidly, then you end up with a tumor. Okay, well, these cells help defend you against that ever getting started. Obviously, you're not 100% successful. People still get cancer, and that's, they don't know how to stop that yet. You have no idea how many times you had a cell, potentially cancerous, that never that got killed by the system. You have no way of knowing how many times that happened. Okay, and then we have lymphocytes. These are cells that are active in the adaptive immune system. Uh, we'll look at each of them in, in more uh, detail. B cells produce antibodies. And then T cells are involved in your what's called cell-mediated immunity. We'll look at that in some detail. Uh, we'll be doing that on uh, on Monday because uh, obviously we're not going to get through all that all that today. This is just an overview now of the parts. Okay, not about how each part works, but just kind of an overview of, of the parts. Okay, any questions so far? All right. So here's our approach. 
uh, and this is pretty standard in most of the textbooks, sometimes they'll lump the first two uh, together and speak of two lines of defense, but there's really three layers of things that defend you from pathogens. Okay. The first thing we're going to look at are barriers. Okay. If you don't let anything in, you don't have a problem. This is kind of what's going on in Europe right now with all the refugees. You don't let them in, I don't have a problem. Okay? Everyone wants to put up walls. Okay? Doesn't work, never has worked. Just look at the, the Rio Grande area of the United States. No matter what you do down there, people are still coming up here from Central America and Mexico. Um, almost impossible to stop them entirely. Uh, and so it's never 100%. But nonetheless, every pathogen you can exclude by simply not letting it in is one you don't have to mess with. Okay, so that's our kind of our first level, and we'll look at what what happens in that next time. Now, inevitably, things do get through the barriers. Okay, no barrier has ever been 100 percent. Okay, so once they get through, then we have uh, an innate immune response. Innate is something that you are born with. Almost all animals have an innate response, all the way down to worms and, and uh, uh, sea urchins and uh, things like uh, jellyfish, all have an innate immunity. All animals have to deal with this pathogen issue. Okay? And this is a kind of standard response. It's going to be exactly the same every time, no matter what the pathogen is. Sort of like think of it as a first responder. Okay, we got a breach in the wall. First responders are called. They sometimes they're enough to stop it. Sometimes they're not enough. Sometimes they're overwhelmed. And then when that occurs, we turn to the adaptive immunity, which you find only um, really in higher animals, mostly um, mammals and birds. Okay, and this is the immunity that not only configures itself to match the particular pathogen, it also remembers which pathogens have been here, so that if it shows its ugly face again, you'll get a much more rapid response to it, which is why we do vaccinations. Okay? That's why they work. So that's what we're going to be looking at next time. We'll start with the surface barriers, we'll work through innate immunity, and then we will do adaptive immunity. And then we have, I think, a little bit of information in here about uh, what happens when the immune system itself doesn't starts goes wrong. Uh, there are a number of types of diseases caused by the immune system when it doesn't work right. Uh, we'll take a look at a few of those. Um, we'll talk about allergies, how allergies are part of your immune response, but allergens are not dangerous. They're only dangerous because of what your immune system does with them. Uh, there's nothing in a peanut that is, is going to harm anybody. But if your immune system thinks it's a dangerous pathogen, your immune system will, could kill you in its response. Okay, and we'll, we'll talk about the difference between allergies and pathogens and, and that. Okay, so that's what we'll be doing on Monday. Uh, I don't know if the weekend's going to be great, but enjoy today and tomorrow. I think it's supposed to, it's supposed to rain Friday. So nice to have spring arriving.